Welcome to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, the podcast for high achievers who want to stay sharp, focused, and full of energy despite their diagnosis. With your host, National Board Certified Functional Medicine Health Coach, Julie Michelson, where Julie helps you take your power back from autoimmunity. And now here's your host, Julie Michelson. Welcome back to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast. I'm your host, Julie Michelson. And today we're joined by Lisa Goldberg, nutritionist and weight loss coach, and also the author of Food Fight, Winning the Battle with Food and Eating to Achieve Sustainable Weight Loss. In today's conversation, we're focusing on identifying and shifting your mindset to create new patterns to sustain lifelong change. Even if you don't have extra weight to lose, listen in to learn about how we can shift the patterns that may be holding us back. Lisa, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. I'm so excited to be here and have this conversation with you today. I am beyond excited for our conversation, but I always love, mostly because I'm curious, (laughs) I love to find out a little bit about your story because I always find it fascinating where life takes us. And so how did you become focused on this and and create this approach that I'm guessing when you started was a different kind of approach? Oh, yeah, 100 percent. So my story started really as a freshman in college, as did so many women's stories start and their struggle with their weight. So, you know, got up to school and what does any young freshman do is you go out too much and also eating at two o'clock in the morning after you get in was all new to me and sitting in the dining hall for hours and thinking granola was healthy was new to me. And they had my kryptonite, right, which was brownies and I can have as many as I wanted. So therefore I did. And it was just a whole different way of eating and truthfully in two months of being up at school, I literally gained like the 15 to 20 pounds. I remember getting off the plane for Thanksgiving and my mom picking me up and I, you know, and she she couldn't help herself. She literally looked at me because I wasn't the kid that she dropped off. And she was like, what the hell happened to you? Right. Because I looked completely different. And, you know, that's kind of where it all started for me. So right then and there, I was down in Florida with my parents for Thanksgiving and I went on a diet. I mean, I ate no bread. I ate no butter. All of my salads had lemons, fresh squeezed lemon. All of my chicken and my fish was grilled plain, right? And so, and it was just kind of like, that's where I started to diet. And eating that way, did I lose the weight? I sure did. But then, of course, when I got back to school, I went right back into what I was doing. So the weight came back. And then I discovered the Cambridge diet, right? The powder in the can. And, you know, so needless to say, it was, I spent about 10 years yo-yo dieting. And while as by the end of my career at school as a senior, I had lost the weight. Then I moved into Manhattan, had two roommates and a different cycle uh-huh. started again, right? Being out every night, eating too much, eating late at night. Every Sunday was Chinese food and, you know, Haagen-Dazs and every Monday was the diet. So, you know, for me, it kind of went on for about 10 years. And quite honestly, I thought about majoring in nutrition while I was at Syracuse, but I was a, you know, liberal arts major. And my roommate was a, a go studying to be a nutritionist and like organic chemistry, biochemistry, and yeah, no, I'll just major, I'll just major in something else. <laughs> so long story short, ultimately, I spent eight years in a completely different industry 
and over those years, just gained and lost the same amount of weight, became a personal trainer. And while I was a personal trainer, decided to go back for my master's degree in nutrition. And, you know, when you go for and you get a master's, you learn about protein, fat, carbs, and calories. So when I first started coaching or counseling my clients, um, it was really about the diet, right? Right. Right. And protein, fats, and carbs, and calories. But what I noticed, and here's the thing, what I noticed, almost every single one of my clients, men and women, would ask me at the end, well, what can I have after dinner? And I was like, but you just ate dinner. How is it that you're what? hungry? Right? Why do you need <laughs> What's missing from dinner that you I, I wasn't really fully understanding, like, why do you need something more? But so many people ask me that same question, then I'm like, there's something here. And that's when I decided to explore mindful eating, emotional eating, I really started to take my work in a different direction. And what I recognized is so many people knew how to lose weight, but they all lost it in a way that was not sustainable for the long run. So I finally decided that I was going to teach because I kind of learned it for myself, right? How to create the balance. So I lost those 20 pounds, probably somewhere around 29 or 30, and I'm now 59. So I lost those pounds for the last time and I've kept it off um, because it's my way of thinking. Because here's the thing, I never forget how miserable I felt Mm. in my clothes, in my body, not going out with my roommates because I just felt terrible. And I was just like, it put me in such a bad mood that it was not worth even going out. So I stay connected to that. And that's a lot of what I teach my clients when I work with them to not disconnect from where they were, but also to teach them how to eat in the life that they live without the restriction and the deprivation. Because I believe how you eat to lose the weight is how you have to stay eating to keep the weight off. So if you're somebody who thinks about keto or intermittent fasting or paleo or whatever it is, if you can't do that for the rest of your life, my suggestion is to find a way or a way of being around food and eating where you can lose the weight, you don't feel restricted and deprived, and you can. And a lot of that is about changing how you think. So you can change because you're... How your behaviors will always follow your thoughts, right? Your actions follow your thoughts. Everything you do starts with a thought. And most of the people that I work with have what I call the dieter's mentality or the dieter's mindset. They have a very black and white way of thinking that keeps them yo-yo dieting, right? That keeps the perpetual losing the weight, regaining the weight. And so what I mean by that is I was good today. So therefore I get to treat myself to X (laughs) or I blew it earlier. So I may as well. well. Or you step on the scale and it doesn't do exactly what you expected it to do. And the voice in your head says, what's the use? What's the point? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find I'm totally pulling this out of just my experience with my clients some of that, not some of it, all of it, um, but it, it took me a long time to recognize that thinking pattern is a perfectionism. Like if we can, and I like the, the black and white, right? If we can start to live in the gray, 
because my my almost all of my clients are in some way, shape, or form perfectionists. That's how they got sick to begin with. And that is exactly it. Like if I already blew it, it's why bother? It's always all or nothing. We can't live right. all or nothing in right. any, it's not just diet, any of it. It's the same, you know, extra, all the things, right? That the things that are going to keep us well and, and really living a full life, we can't be all or nothing. And so oh. I love that you say that. Well, the truth is there's no such thing as perfect. What is perfect? What does perfect look like? I mean, there's really no thing as perfect. Right. And to and to expect yourself to eat perfectly, I mean, what does that even mean if right. you think about it? Right? right. So, and what's so crazy if you think? Because I always say the crazy happens in your head. So let's just say for those who are listening and this is resonating with you, your goal is to lose some weight, and you know you start off your day with an expectation of what a, what your eating is supposed to look like. And then later in the day, you have a cookie, right? And you do think, I blew it. So instead of just eating one or two cookies, you've eaten the whole bag of cookies. Right. That even makes sense. So is eating one or 200 extra calories as bad as maybe a thousand extra calories because you've eaten the whole bag? Right. So, So here's the thing about that perfectionist way of thinking, the dieter's mindset. It's illogical. It's illogical. It makes no sense. And What's so interesting is as I'm coaching with the client, when they're telling me what they're thinking, they usually preface it with, I know this sounds ridiculous, but because right. now the thought is coming out and they're hearing it with their own ears. Right. And I think that the reason why so many women get so frustrated and they blame themselves is because they ignore the inner lowering, that higher intelligence that they have, because if they hear the thoughts in their head, when it's in their head, it makes complete sense somehow. It's very convincing. Yeah. Right? Or they don't even, I mean, I, to me, the what comes even before that is they don't hear it. They're not even conscious of it, these patterns and drivers. Right. Um, and for some reason, at least in the beginning of the work, the voice is never getting, it's never, it's never a supportive voice telling you to make the, the right decision for yourself. Right. I, I call I call that the rabbit hole voice. So I, yeah. when I, when I do my coaching, it's the rabbit hole voice and the logical voice. So the rabbit hole voice is the voice that, you know, convinces you to do all the things that you know better. Right. Your logical voice is always in there saying, are you sure you want to do that? But you do it anyway. Right. Until you power up your logical voice. I'm going to give you an example. So I was coaching with a client yesterday and I'm I'm teaching her to raise the volume on listening to those self-sabotage thoughts on that rabbit hole voice. So she was with a friend on a golf course and she told her friend, you know what? I'm good. I'm not that hungry right now. I am going to wait to go home and have lunch. But her friend ordered this salad with chicken salad on top of it. And the person making that was going to give her extra on top of it and not charge her extra. And my one of my client has this thing with free food, as do a lot of people. And her friend said, no, 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 I don't need more. And here's the thought that went through my client's head. Oh, take it. I'll eat it. Yep. But but the difference is she heard the illogical thought. She heard and she was like, oh my God, I can't believe I thought that, but that's what she's listening for. And she didn't act on it because she knew she didn't even want that food, but there was the perfect situation that triggered her to think that thought. Yep. Right. And, and fortunately she did, 
you know, what served her, she waited until she got home and ate what she wanted to eat when she was hungry. Right. But because she wasn't on autopilot, because you have her working on listening and hearing. And then, you know, I, it's any awareness is always the first step to change. Always. Yes. 100%. Because we yeah. can't change what, we were not, what we're not aware of. Right. Right. So, so it's so important. So how do, how does one, I mean, we just, I actually, you just said, you know, step one is the listening, right? I mean, does it matter what the story is? I'm, you know, guessing you walk people through their evolution and it really almost doesn't matter, you know, if it's free food, if it's, I was sharing my old, old patterns with, and I never, I was never a yo-yo dieter, but I got to watch one my entire life. Um, And it does impact. And I have a daughter, I have two sons and a daughter. And my daughter is brilliant at pointing out when I say things about myself, that she's like, well, that's not helpful to me. It's like, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) You know, again, we're all human, right? I can help my clients day in and day out be aware and create those mindset shifts and and change, make new patterns. Um, But some of my old patterns are still in there. (laughs) Uh, I mean, so the beauty about the way you think is that you could change it. But first you have to notice that you, everybody has the ability to change their mind and their thinking, but like anything else, it takes work and effort. And more importantly, it takes practice because anything we want to good at be become good at, we need to practice. You know, so it doesn't really matter. You know, I always say with my clients, you know, how your story started is different, but the thinking is all the same. Right. Right. So some people might have a scarcity mindset where food was scarce growing up and they're always afraid to be hungry. Yeah. Right. Some people it's, it's, it's a money connection. I have a client that I worked with where she always cleaned her plate. Right. Right. Regardless of how full she was, she always cleaned her plate because so many of us are told that children are starving somewhere on some continent. At least people our age were definitely told that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, you know, when I have her, you know, getting connected to her hunger and her satiety when she was eating, she was, and we we created a, a strategy. She was out for dinner. She, did what, you know, she took the coaching, she put her fork down, she was checking in with herself, she pushed the plate forward, she leaned back a little bit, and she heard the thought, but I paid for it. Mm -hmm. And that's how we got connected to for her, it was the cleaning of the plate was it's, I shouldn't waste my money. I don't want to waste food, but I paid for it. So this is how she was overfeeding her body. Right. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it is. I, I have um, my partner. So kudos to to his parents because I, I just it was a new thing for me. We'll be eating dinner, and he will so often. It's because I I am not a member of the Clean Plate Club. Um, I was actually the kid who I was skinny. So to me, like skinny is a mean word to call somebody because you know, come to find out you know, I was celiac, my, you know, but who knew I wasn't absorbing nutrients. Um, I ate, I ate a lot as a kid. Um, 
but it was like a real emotional thing for people, you know, that they wanted to see me eat. I didn't have an eating disorder. I just wasn't absorbing nutrients. <laughs> um, but he says, I'm satisfied. Not I'm full, right? Like I grew up saying I'm full, I'm full, I'm full. And he's like, I'm satisfied. And that wow. was apparently just how he was raised. Um, and it's like, oh my gosh, that's beautiful. I wish I had taught my kids that, right? It's there, it shouldn't be like stuffed or empty. You know, there is no, I'm satisfied. Like I love that. Well, you know, part of part of it is, and 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 that is, and and that's exactly and you know, there's a couple things I want to say that first, it's everybody has different messaging in their home growing up. Sure. So, so many people who struggle with their weight, look at other people who just put down their fork and they could have a couple of bites of something, or maybe they have a couple of bites of dessert and then they're perfectly fine. And they don't understand how people do that because yeah. it's really about the messages and how your relationship with food started growing up. Right. right. So that your, your, your partner got different messaging than somebody else. Right. right. Then, you know, you, who you're, if your mommy or you dieted, right. um, do you know what I mean? But it's, but sure. it's, 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 and, and that's how we continue to see things. And what, what I've discovered in the work that I do is so many people have lost the connection between physical hunger and satiety. Yeah. Right. So they, there's the emotional hunger, there's habitual hunger, but then there's physical hunger. And if you're somebody who cleans the plate, then your brain only registers done when you're full. Right. Right. Not satisfied. Right. Right. You're satisfied. Like, I, I use the word content with my clients. Right. Like I'm, Same. Yeah, exactly. I'm eating right now and I'm good. Yeah. People have to get reacquainted with what satisfied and content is, is in their body so they no longer overfeed their body, right? right? So a lot of the work that I do is to get my clients to eat when they're hungry, stop when they're content, and 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 not mindlessly eat. You know, and I say, like, I don't care if it's a bag of baby carrots, right? If you eat a whole bag of baby carrots... <laughs> A binge is a binge, whether it's, it's like when, when all of the, the low fat, you know, snack wells and all the, you know, I can eat a whole box now. And I'm like, wait, even, even back then I knew that that didn't make sense. <laughs> like That's not. Yeah. Well, well the, the truth is, you know, a lot of people blame the uh, part of the obesity ed- uh, uh, epidemic for the snack, but the snack well cookies, they took all the fat out and added tons of sugar. Right. Right. Yeah, but I don't I don't blame and I actually I do I definitely think what we're eating you know if we're eating real food or if we're eating the ultra processed stuff absolutely is part of what's driving not only the obesity epidemic the autoimmune I mean all of it um but if we can't change the patterns it, it's we're never going to win even with the, re- I mean, because then people are just shifting from processed food to real food, but they're they're still don't have the tools to to feed themselves well. Yeah, you know, so it's it's a matter of an, and what I what I find is especially people who struggle with their weight, they put themselves down. They have mm-hmm. a way of speaking to themselves that they wouldn't speak to anybody else, nor would they allow somebody to speak to them that way. Right, but. They- themselves that way. And they put themselves down. And a lot of times it's a self-worth and self-esteem issue. 
And when it comes to lasting weight loss, it's a lack of belief in yourself. Because so many women, there's that little voice inside that says, you're not going to be able to really do it. And so many women don't believe because they work so hard at it, that it can actually happen for them. Right. And that belief leads to the self-sabotage. So that's typically when you talk about breaking patterns, right. that's the first pattern that needs to be broken is the belief system, right? Because it's a limiting belief and a, a limiting belief is is obviously just, just what it says. It's something that limits you and your brain believes what you tell it the most. So if you keep saying- So does your body. <laughs> yeah, right, right. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's really the truth. So if you keep thinking- I can't lose weight. It'll, it's never going to happen for me. You are going to do things and take actions and behaviors that will undermine your efforts. And oftentimes those start with the thoughts in your head. Yeah. So part of this work and raising the awareness is actually asking yourself, does that even make sense? Is that, that the truth? Because if you think about it, 99.9% of the thoughts when it comes to food and eating um, aren't the truth. Right. Yeah. Right. No. The, the, way, the, way, the way to break the pattern is to, and, and here's what I say to all my clients. What is it that you do? What are the habits and behaviors that you have that led you to being overweight and or caused you to regain the weight after you've lost it. Those are the patterns that need to be broken and changed. And we need to create new healthy beliefs and patterns. And I kind of call it a way of being. Some people call it a lifestyle, right? A lot of people know oh, I need to make lifestyle changes. It's kind of like a big buzzword, but nobody knows exactly what exactly what does that mean. Right. Right. Yeah. Well right. that's why I don't I the even just the word diet is so loaded. I wish we had a better way of saying, this is how I nourish my body. <laughs> that was a little more condensed. Right. It wasn't diet because to me and to so many, especially people that have been on that yo-yo cycle, diet means I'm restricted. And when I'm not on the diet, this is not how I eat. Right. Right. And so I love that way of being or, you know, lifestyle, if you will, if you understand what lifestyle really means and not yeah. as the buzz, as the buzzword. Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's a new way of being around food and eating. Yeah. Um, where you see food is just food. Right. Right. So many people who are emotional leaders, especially see food as having this magical power to make all the bad stuff go away, all the bad feelings go away, the bad day go away. But truthfully, when you emotionally eat, which is typically what are people are drawn to unhealthy food, right? Um, it just fuels the bad feelings. Sure, sure. You're continuing that cycle because then after, after the fact, you have more bad feelings. Right. Um, I know I always laugh. I, I have yet to come across anybody who, you know, their go-to emotional food or a food connects connected to a perhaps a lost mom or, you know, a few, those kinds of wrap you in a blanket emotional foods. It's never, you know, my mom made the best salad or, you know. Right. 
Right. Even the, even the steak, I'm waiting for somebody to say, you know, nothing like a steak fresh off the grill to make me remember my happy childhood memories or, um, yeah, it's always something that does not serve us. Always something that doesn't serve you. And, and here's the thing. So what I teach is people, and I, I make them, and there's some things I'm a stickler about and the words that you use matter because it's how it affects your brain and your thinking. Right. So I try to get them to abolish the word treat and reward. Yes. I refer to it as an indulgence. Love it. All right. Indulgences feel more luxurious. So you get to indulge a couple times a week, whether it's some ice cream, but it's not the pint. Right. It's a piece of chocolate cake, but it's not the whole cake. It's a cheeseburger and fries. And if you want to throw some bacon on it, Whatever it is, it's an indulgence. So an indulgence is really something that's high in fat and calories, but it tastes good and we love it. Right. And so once or twice in a week, you can indulge yourself so you don't feel restricted or deprived. And you can lose weight and or maintain the weight that you've lost. I had a client lose 50 pounds over six months. And every weekend she went for ice cream with her family. Love it. Right. But she was my clients are like, wait, Julie doesn't let me eat ice cream. Different, only if you're dairy intolerant. <laughs> totally oh, different. A lot of right. So it, depends, so it really depends on what it right. is, right? So right. You know, if, 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 if you're, you know, if you have a gluten issue, you're not going to dive into a bag of pretzels because it make you feel sick. But but I love that the that indulgence. First of all, to me, and, and you know, treat sounds like or reward. I earned it. I'm gonna have like get rid of all of that. Indulgence is just a conscious choice. I'm indulging. And, and I had actually, it's funny that the client and maybe because I think the patterns sometimes are a little different with men. I I have a client who in the beginning, it seemed like he was doing really well, but he was like a tiny bit here, a tiny bit there, a tiny bit here, a tiny bit there. And I finally was like, look, try like, I just want really good and then make a choice on the weekend to indulge in some, a choice, nothing sneaking, a choice. And it was just a very different, it was my, you know, first time with that, with a, with a man um, where, and it it shifted. I mean, it was everything because he was, what it did for him was create that awareness that we always start with, but he somehow just wasn't connecting the dots. Well, here's an interesting thing with men, because I work with men as well. And so they don't like to think of themselves as emotional eaters, because men don't really think of themselves as being emotional. So they might say, you know, I stress eat. But, you know, a lot of men have the same patterns and the same, you know, relationship with food based on something that they saw in their family. I was going to say they were still raised by whoever raised their sister. (laughs) You're right. And so they do have those patterns, but they don't see it as a, as a, as emotional. And, and especially because men, you know, are taught not to be emotional or discuss their emotions. Right. right? So, and, but they do, they're human, they have emotions. So men use food to stuff down those emotions because that's what emotional eaters do, right? They right. stuff or distract from those feelings with food. It's how they cope. But mm-hmm. interesting when you say about sneaking, you know, when, when people are children, men or women, when they're children and they're worried about being judged, right? You said earlier, you know, people wanted to see you eat. And sometimes when people feel, you know, children feel like they're judged somehow for eating, sure. 
it's because they're eating something that somebody's telling them they shouldn't be eating. So as children, they sneak. But right. interestingly, as adults, when I hear a client say, you know, I snuck or something like that, I'm like, well, who are you sneaking from? From <laughs> You're the one who's here doing the work. Right. Yeah. But here's the thing. They're sneaking from themselves. It's the pattern right. of behavior. Right. They feel like they're afraid to be judged, but they're the people, they're their own worst self-judgers. Always. Always. Yeah. I love that you said that. I say that all the time. Like you're, I, I call it the mean voice um, because I tend to find it's not usually nice. <laughs> and and it's the same thing. You would never speak to somebody else that way, you know, or like you pointed out, or let somebody speak to you that way. Yeah. 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 I know it's, there's this whole world going on, you know, but it does all start with mindset and thought and then whether we're talking about weight loss, which, you know, you have, it's such a gift for your clients that they, this is the real work. It's not about the scale, right? It's not. And I don't believe that, that you can be, you know, very overweight and healthy. I know that that's like the new thing you're supposed to say you, you can, you can't physically, you may feel well for a while, but that's not healthy. Um, and it's not emotionally healthy or mentally healthy. Yeah. Listen, I mean, there's a reason why people want to lose weight. They want to feel better. They want to feel better in their bodies. They want to have more energy. They want to feel more bright, vibrant. They want to live longer and they want to feel better about themselves, right? Mm-hmm. And regardless of what you look like, if you feel better about yourself, you're more confident in yourself. Yeah. Right. And that's what people are striving for. But, you know, they're doing all of these quick fixes and it's just, and and I, and I feel like it's more painful to continue yo-yo dieting yes. than to take the long road, right? It is a marathon. It is not a sprint. So stop trying to sprint. And it takes a while to change your mindset yeah. and change your thinking and break these patterns, especially if you've been repeating these patterns for 20 plus years or more. Right. You, but you, you owe that to yourself. The beautiful part that I see, because I know I see it with my clients, <clears throat> You're changing generations by helping people shift their mindset, right? So, you know, for for the people that you're working with that have children, and even with their older children, they still can see it. They may still need to unravel some of the, some of the stuff that they witness as younger kids. But um, when we can shift that, where kids are growing up with a healthy relationship around their emotions and food. (laughs) Like, oh my gosh, that's powerful. Yeah. I mean, actually the clients that I work with, I am actually working with a client who has a younger daughter and, you know, just in doing this work, you know, people will speak about their children and mention their patterns. And then I actually helped her break a pattern that the client was enabling her daughter to eat when maybe the daughter wasn't hungry, but, you know, long story short, like her, she would pick her up from, from school and, you know, you know, pick her up from like her, her, her soccer practice and bring food for her and be like, oh, you must be hungry and hand her food. Well, I'm like, well, stop doing that. If she's hungry, she'll ask you. She's old enough to be like, I'm hungry, you know? And, and right. when she stopped doing that, her daughter just stopped. She 
when she got home and she was hungry for dinner, she ate her dinner, but she realized she was perpetuating this because as a mother, God forbid your kid's a little hungry, right? Your fear, right. like, you know, it's, 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 it was her fear. Like, what if my kid's hungry? After as a Jewish mother, right. <laughs> yeah. but we also, that is interesting. I am because we also tend to try to do it differently for our kids. Sometimes, sometimes we repeat the pattern and sometimes we'll do that 180. That's just as unhealthy, right? Instead of a don't eat or wait till dinner, or it's like, here's food, here's food, here's food. Right. So, yeah. I mean, should be a lot of it starts like when we're kids. And if you have parents that ever said, you can't leave the table until you finish your dinner, or you can't have dessert unless you finish your dinner, or take one more bite, you have to take one more bite or two more bites, or just finish your broccoli. It's kind of like, you know, it's, 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 it's teaching people how to eat past beyond their satiety to discount their signals from their body. It's the same as when I found out my oldest son was allergic to peas, um, he never let, you know, it's the same as when you have a little one who can't verbally tell you and they're not, they, uh, they don't like certain foods. It's usually because there's a sensitivity or an allergy or something and they know they just can't articulate it. It's that same kind of thing. And then we're conditioned to discount those signals of, I'm, I'm satisfied. I'm content. I'm satiated. Yeah. I mean, and that, that's a, that's an operative word conditioned. Yeah. So people are conditioned from a young age on how to eat and how to think. And that's why so many people struggle with their weight because they don't know how to change that conditioning on their own. Right. Right. And that's where getting help and support to help draw out like, I know if my client wasn't doing this work, she would have never heard that thought in her head. And she would have taken that her friend's extra chicken salad and eaten it just because it was free. Right. Right. Um, Probably would have regretted it after. Why did I But how empowering for her to now really know, oh my gosh, this is a trigger. This is a pattern and I have control. I can make a different choice. It's, it is so empowering. Right. When, and, and and here's the thing. So many women feel like, and probably even men, they have no control over the food. Like the food's calling me. I can't right. help myself. Right. You tell yourself, I can't help myself. Then of course, you're not going to be able to help yourself. Right. But if you change the messaging, if you change the thought to, of course, I don't have to eat that. I am not hungry. And I, I would feel better losing some weight than eating that thing. Right. Completely yeah. message and more empowering. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to share with listeners a little bit about how they can work with you um, or get that support because the support is, I always say, and it's the same for what you do. It's, it's not that the information isn't out there, right? Someone can read your book, someone, but most of us, especially when it comes to changing mindset patterns, emotional patterns, messaging, the support is really helpful. There's nothing like actual human support. So how how are you working with people? Yeah, I work with people both privately. I do one-on-one coaching and I have a group program called What Are You Really Hungry For? I love because it. it's really about getting to underneath, like if you're eating, but you're not hungry, what are you really hungry for? Is it emotional? Is it habitual? Like what's going on for you? 
So either way, I work with clients. I do the mindset work. A lot of people like working in a community, which is what makes the group so valuable because, you know, when you, when you coach one, everybody else is nodding their head like that's me too. Um, But you could find me at lisagoldbergnutrition.com where I talk about both of my, you know, group coaching program and my, and my private program. Um, And, you know, it's, it's really about getting support because here's the thing, there's knowledge mastery and self-mastery. So many people know what they should be doing. They have tons of information. They read books. They'll do like, you know, free challenges. They'll read the internet. So they know they just don't know how to apply and implement it into their life consistently long enough to actually make the change. And that's where the accountability and the support and the guidance and getting the tools and the strategies come in for those long lasting results. Because ultimately, you know, I always say, I'm not just about helping you lose the weight. Uh, more importantly, I'm about helping you keep the weight off finally once it's gone. Right. That's the that's the difference, right? And that's the that's the gift. Amazing. So I I can guess what you might say, <laughs> um, but listeners are trained to listen for that one thing that they can do starting today to move the needle on their. I'll say health, wellness, weight loss, whatever. Those all tied together. Okay. So what I'd say is um, probably two things you could do. (laughs) Start to listen to the thoughts in your head when it comes to food and eating. And if you are finding yourself opening the cabinet or, or the refrigerator, or you're driving past that, you know, fast food restaurant that you tend to go into all the time, ask yourself, Am I hungry? Am I thinking about food because I'm physically hungry? My body needs fuel. Like I feel the hunger in my belly. If you are, go get something to eat. But if you're not physically hungry, like if you just ate an hour, an hour and a half ago or two hours ago, what's happening for you? If Why am I thinking about eating? Why am I feeling like eating? And listen to what you tell yourself about it. Listen to the story that you probably repeat over and over again. All right. Okay. That's going to help you with your gaining awareness of, are you eating for physical hunger or for something else? So like my group program is, what are you really hungry for? I love it. What are you really hungry for? And that we can take that. Then once you master that, you can take it so far beyond food. <laughs> exactly. You know, and it is, it, I I love it's back to that empowerment um, because once we do get this knack of identifying our stories, those running stories and creating our new reality, um, it's kind of like, wow, I can't can't believe like that's been controlling me my whole life, (laughs) you know, wow. Um, So I love it. Amazing. Your thoughts create your actions. So what you think you will do yep. and your thoughts create your feelings. So if you're feeling a certain way, check in with what you're thinking. And if you don't like the way you're feeling, change the thought. Yes. Yes. Amazing. Ah, Lisa, thank you so much. You have shared am- amazing gold with us today. 
Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's just the truth is, Julie, I love having these conversations because so many people need to hear this and they need to recognize that there's nothing wrong with them. Right. I love it. Something wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with you. You've just been conditioned to believe and behave in a certain way and it's changeable. Just know that that's the truth. Amazing. For everyone listening, remember, you can get the transcripts and show notes by visiting inspiredliving.show. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. There's a ton of value here. I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to get a transcript of this and every other episode, just head on over to inspiredliving.show or click on the link in this episode's description. There, you can also find everything we discussed in this episode, including links and information about our guest. You can even send in your questions to be answered by Julie in a future episode. That's inspiredliving.show. Until next time, this is Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, helping you take your power back.